inspired, informative, and entertaining. This broadcast is brought to you by Women in Christian Leadership. Welcome to It's Her Story, a weekly broadcast featuring women who inspire us to be the best versions of ourselves, bringing the heart, the soul, and the brilliance of women to the forefront by sharing their unique stories. I'm your host, Karen Colonna, engaging guests to share their stories of how God has led them to it, delivered them through it, and prepared them for it. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is another episode of It's Her Story, and we are so, so glad that you took the time in your day to join us for this amazing conversation. Today, my guest is Lisa Miners, and uh, we've been chatting here a little bit already, and I will tell you there's some divine inspiration that's going to come out of this conversation. I think we are aligned in certain ways. You'll hear a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about some ways that you can get involved with Deeper Still Ministries, as well as Women in Christian Leadership. So I'm going to say a quick hello. Hello, Lisa. Hello. So Lisa founded Deeper Still Ministries. She is a Christian speaker, author, and Bible study teacher. Her passion is to see believers not only know the truths of God's word, but to go deeper still by applying and living out these truths in their daily lives. She's authored two Bible studies, two devotionals, and has shared the message of God's truths at events throughout the country. Lisa grew up in Lima, Ohio, and studied elementary education. She was a teacher. Hmm, there's some divine alignment here. She currently lives in Beaver Creek, Ohio, with her husband, Dennis, and she has two sons and a daughter. And she loves to read and take walks. And I do need the recipe for your world-famous oatmeal chocolate chip cookies <laughs> because any kind of cookie is my favorite. There's so much to cover. I just, I want to jump right in. And I did a little homework on Deeper Still Ministries. Maybe take a second to kind of fill us in on, on your ministry and how you got there. I'm a teacher by trade. I mean, I went to college to teach. I thought since I was in like little that I was going to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher and it's what I envisioned um, from bulletin boards to the way that I was going to arrange the desks to my Erin Condren lesson plan book. So um, when it started knocking and all I did was start teaching women's Bible studies at church, I started facilitating. I wasn't even teaching, to be honest. I and, and I'm not a scholar by any means. I've asked the Lord several times if theology is like a seminary is where I'm supposed to be. And he's made it abundantly clear that my Holy Spirit is your teacher. Let me teach you and guide you. And I'll bring the resources that you need along the way. But because I'm a teacher, the content is his word. And he is asking me with my elementary teaching vocational skills to create resources that go along with the textbook so that the Holy Spirit can be the teacher to the women who don't know the word. So there are, I was actually just talking to a woman this morning. There are different um, platforms through Deeper Still in which I teach in different ways because there's lecturing. I mean, when I was in an elementary classroom, there's days where science is just science and you just need to teach the content and you need to pray that the children stay with you. And so I would find creative ways to teach that content to make sure that they were focusing on me and not going somewhere else. Then there were other days where you had labs. There were other days where you broke them up into groups and they collaborated together. And there were other days where you took field trips. And so there's so many different ways as a teacher 
being trained as a teacher that you engage with the content, which is God's word, and you bring different resources to help women, which is no matter where they are in their walk, they can go deeper still. Just challenge the women on Monday night that no matter what you did last week, you can do more this week. And all deeper still is, is moving forward in your journey of knowledge and truth and living it out and applying it as a God as God's word shows you to do. So, um, I mean, I'm a teacher by trade. So my only biggest problem, Karen, was that he wanted me, one, to teach his word, and two, he wanted me to teach women. So it was a really big problem for me because teaching children, reading, writing, arithmetic, there's nothing in scripture that says I will be held to a higher standard for that. So I was super comfortable in that calling and I had a team around me and I would be part of a school and I'd have little children that I get to engage with every day. And being a high extrovert, I've learned that I'm a very high extrovert. That was very important to me. So when he called me in and I wrestled with him for probably seven years while I was substituting and longing for a full-time teaching job, and he was moving in me through just facilitating Bible studies at my local church, and I could feel the stirring, I could feel the pulling, I could feel me pulling back, and I could feel him pulling me in, and we just, we had it out. That's my kind of communication. That's how I was raised. Like, you don't shy away from conflict. You just talk about it, and I was taught that a relationship with God is the same way. You just talk to him about it. He can handle it. He knows what you're thinking anyway. So he and I just went back and forth and my pastor helped. I'd sit with him on many occasions as we pushed through and he's like, okay, Lisa, what are you struggling with this month? And my dear mentor, Dixie, if she had not had her hand on the small of my back, I would have turned around several times and just gone to the classroom because it was what I knew. It's where I was comfortable and it's where I knew I could succeed. This whole thing teaching God's word was completely different. And women are like middle school girls captured in grown-up women's bodies. And if we don't look in the mirror, we don't really realize how we're changing because our hearts still hold some of those insecurities that middle school girls have when they walk into the cafeteria or into the gym class or into a classroom. Like, what are they going to say about my outfit? Am I going to have somebody to sit next to? Does my hair look okay? And all they want to do is belong. And women are exactly the same. And so it's it's just a it was just such a tension for me to move from an elementary public schoolroom to teaching God's word. Take me to the moment or the moments where you started to sense that you needed to step out of the classroom. Is was there an event, a moment or something that kind of made you first look up and go, wait a second, I'm supposed to do something else? We were living in Staten Island, New York. And my husband and I had always agreed that I would stay home when we had children. So I had a year and a half of teaching in a private middle school classroom, English and reading, which just filled every dream. Couldn't even believe that I got a paycheck to do it because I had dreamt of doing it for so long. When we had Rachel in 95, I stepped out of the classroom in Staten Island and stayed home with her. We had three babies within three years. And by the time we had the third baby, we were now living in Centerville, Ohio. God had moved us out here, given my husband a new job. So I stepped, I not only stepped out of the classroom, we stepped out of the city and we changed locations. When my youngest was five and headed into kindergarten, it was the natural progression. And I never even asked God, I just knew this is what comes next. And I started substituting because I was going, going to start looking for a full-time job. 
I do believe looking back that it was God's grace that he never actually allowed me to have a full-time job because I, I just think it was his grace because it would have been so much harder to leave a full-time job as opposed to the substituting. I started, got my foot into substituting and call myself a professional substitute for 13 years. So I did long terms. I, I had teams in three different schools because I just did all the classrooms, loved all the teachers, brought my faith into those and encouraged those that would allow me to, prayed with them in such hard places. But I did it for 13 years and I loved every piece because teaching right now is really hard. Substituting allowed me to teach, which is what I love to do, but then also it allowed me to use the gift of encouragement to come alongside these teachers. So it was in that process when I thought now is the time that I need to start looking for a job. I was being sought by principals. Teachers were asking me, are you going back full time? Where I had to start to really wrestle with the movement in my heart through the Bible studies at my church and what God was asking me to do. And did I really want that? Did I really want to obey him? Did I really want to follow him? And, or was I just going to do what I thought? I kind of joke and say that he, like, did he not understand what we had agreed upon? Like, Lord, I went to college to do this. I've been at, like, you must have forgotten what we agreed I was going to do because this was not part of the deal. And it was just, it was like, it was just such a tension. And, and I shared earlier, Karen, that it wasn't a tension for a day, a week, a month. It was years where he just was so patient allowing me to wrestle with it, but never leaving me nor letting up on me. And I knew that moment that my husband agreed to support me wholeheartedly, knowing that I was walking away from a salary, a double income family, and everything that that would give us to walk into ministry. I knew that that's what I needed to do when he stepped alongside. Now, God gave me another six years of substituting where I did substituting and the ministry, the development of the ministry and substituting. And he allowed me, but it was um, January, 2019, that my husband went on a 40 day prayer over the ministry and over me, because we really were wondering if I would needed to step away from the classroom altogether. And that even that meager income that it provided and just do ministry full time to develop, to develop it to what God had designed it to be. And after four, it was so sweet, Karen, very first night. He's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kneel at this bench. I'm going to pray over you every night. And we're going to seek God and what it is he would have you to do. So we knelt. And his first sentence was, Father, we need to know if you're asking Lisa to step away full time. I leaned over to him and I was like, no, we don't. And he opened one eye. And he's like, what do you mean we don't? And I'm like, I already know that I'm supposed to leave full time. I'm just waiting for you to say it's okay. And he goes, so father, apparently we have things to pray about. <laughs> so over those 40 days, he mapped it out and he really just revealed what he already knew, but my heart was not ready to hear. And in those 40 days, every day Dennis came home from work and I would be sitting at my desk. He'd be like, how's it going today? And I would just start crying. I'm like, I'm a wreck. He is pulling deep roots of insecurity and false securities and misplaced securities and identities 
and being a substitute and what I was hanging on to and what I was tethered to. And he was just yanking it all up so that at the end of those 40 days, I was all his. And I was fully ready and prepared to step into the ministry. Not that I haven't had hard days, but I was ready to walk away, to tell the schools I was done and to basically what I call retire. I retired from substitute teaching to, as you said, to step fully into this next season of my life. Well, it's interesting. I found a picture, if you will. I'm the queen of capturing content to my phone. My entire future service is on this thing. And it says, it's just about hard. And it says things like marriage is hard, divorce is hard, obesity is hard, fit is hard. And it goes to the end. It says life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our hard, choose wisely. And one of the things that I had written down before you started talking, uh, and then it really kind of plays into this is you talk about having the call and then laying it before God. And then it's X number of years. And I think it's important for folks who listen, regardless of where they are in their personal, professional, or faith journey, that time, time is a funny thing. What we think as important may not be urgent and what's urgent may not be important. If we fully lean into God in that 40 days of prayer, whatever that person's you know, for me, I had a very big, 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 big thing personally weighing on my heart. And I journaled for the month of January. I didn't drink alcohol for the month. I wanted clean head, clean body, clean mind. And I got on my knees almost daily and prayed to God to guide and direct me. When I heard you talk about your husband's time of prayer, I thought, whoa. And, and what, I, what I wanted to say to folks is prayer is real. Mm-hmm. It does move mountains. It really can change lives. So when you talk about the things that popped up and that it wasn't easy, even during those six years, I'm curious to know what were the roadblocks? Like maybe talk about the hards. What are some of the things, just tangible things that maybe popped up where you said, "Mm, not today. Every, every part of it was hard. Um, The first one I remember is my husband telling me that once we decided that I would become the speaker, that I would teach God's word and not pursue a full-time job in the classroom. He pursued and felt to pressure me that we needed a name. The ministry needs a name. And I can see care in my kitchen table. I can see the wallpaper. I can see the carpet. I can see the rainy day. It was a March. And I would sit at the kitchen table while the kids were having naps or were at school, same time every day, one to three. And I remember my journal being open because I'm a huge journal. It's a way I process what I'm thinking and allowing God to slow me down in my words and my thoughts to hear him interact with me. And I, I remember sitting there saying, Lord, he thinks that it needs a name. This isn't what we were going to do. I was just going to do some women's teas. I was just going to speak at some Mother's Day events or a Christmas event. This is really what I thought he was calling me into. And now your child, your son, my husband is telling me I need a name. I don't need a name. Lord, tell me I don't need a name. So we went through that whole process and doodling and he brought forth deeper still ministries, but first he brought forth Colossians 2, 7. That has been a trademark for deeper still ministries and my following him on his path 
is just as like Sugar Creek reserves where you walk the path and you see the green and the orange and the red and the blue dots, the, the Lord has, that's how he shows me which path to take and it's through a scripture. And I've said to him from the beginning, I will do anything, Lord, if you give me a scripture. I need to know that it's founded in your word because I believe the word is the first place he speaks to us and the most prominent place and then circumstances and people affirm what we encountered when we were in the word. That's why it's hard to hear his voice if you're not in the word on a regular basis. But Colossians 2, 7, let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. So you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. That's why it's also called a discipleship ministry, because you've been taught the truth and you have the relationship with Jesus, but your roots aren't growing down into him. And therefore, they're not drawing up nourishment and deeper still ministries. I remember doodling it in my journal. And I was like, you've given me a name. Shoot, Dennis was right again. <laughs> there it was. And we and can't say that out loud too much because, hey, for anybody out there with a partner or spouse. We don't want to give them too much credit, but yeah. yet it's okay to admit that they are also divinely moved. <laughs> he gets he gets so much credit just because, because I have also met so many speakers and those who have, have, for lack of better words, opened a ministry to steward it that where the spouse is just, they're like, that's great for you, but I really can't be a part of that. And so Dennis and his affirmation and his encouragement and his... Um, just his his involvement with the ministry has been so profound over the years. And one of the other hard things was when my mentor Dixie, who we who we've talked about, when she said and encouraged me with her ever loving, strong way. It's a little like Jeannie. When Jeannie asks you to do something, you don't usually say no. And when Dixie sat at my favorite muffin and said, Lisa, we need to make this a nonprofit. And I was like, fine. I was just going to go to teas and Christmas events. Did, did nobody get this message? And she's like, no, because it's going to be more than that. And we need to be able to have people make donations to this ministry. And I just like, I didn't even have a vision, Karen. I was just like, this is so much more than I fully understand. I don't have a business degree. I am an elementary teacher by trade. And so there were so many pieces that were hard that he just went ahead. He brought a um, a gentleman from down in Kentucky at a church that um, some of our pastors at our church knew that was now doing um, pro bono work. He was retired and he was helping those who didn't know how to set up nonprofits. He helped you with all the legality. So he walked along with Dennis after we had met with him in person and, and literally held Dennis's hands and showed him how to do all the legal work to make the ministry nonprofit. And I mean, those are just two of the hard things that there's the hard things of, of no, Lord, I said I was going to speak. I never said anything about writing. No, Lord, we're not doing this too. And he would just continually bring scripture. Psalm 119, verse 130, Matthew 4, 4. And each time I turned around, he had another scripture to lead me so that I could boldly and, and with courage 
move forward knowing full well that this is what he was asking me to do. Not a business plan, not a business vision, not a uh, um, somebody who just needed to dream big and wanted to create something for themselves. But my number one goal was to walk in obedience to what he had created me to do. So I, I shared with you earlier, I've been listening to the Bible in a year and I'm just, it's almost as if I'm hearing these stories for the first time. And I was raised Catholic. I've been in parochial school my whole life. And at 54 and counting, I am having this awakening. And when I heard you say, I'm not a businesswoman, I'm a teacher. Well, the disciples were fishermen. They were carpenters. They were not prophets. Yep. They, they were not trained in speaking and conveying a message and speaking God's word, but they were chosen and God and gave them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them the words, mm -hmm. protected them in the circumstances where the crowds and the officials were, you know, against them. And so I think about that. And when you talked about the nonprofit incorporation, I have heard time and time again in the journeys where God is orchestrating. Mm -hmm. uh, it just surfaces and it's right there. Now, somebody might say, oh, well, that's a lovely coincidence. Well, no, that is a God-ordained direction. God-ordained direction, that is God. <laughs> I've read Mark Batterson's book, The Prayer Circle. You, you took me there earlier when you were talking about Dennis praying, but so many times and so much evidence in that book, and obviously it's a book about praying, where things didn't happen, but when people were centered around that belief in laying it at the feet of God, things happen. They turn for the better. They turn in the direction. And that's because God equips us when we're not equipped. But that takes my favorite verse is Hebrews 11, 1, which is faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's evidence of things we cannot see. Mm. And being able to step into that belief and be able to go, hmm, this might not just be a coincidence. And having that pause and being able to hear God, listen, actually hear him speak to you. God, show me what I need to see. Help me hear what I need to hear. And please give me the courage to follow your will. That's kind of become my organic prayer instead of God, help me have this. Tell me that. I've kind of gone back to let me hear, let me see, and give me courage. My mom used to say, it's like it's written, it must be on the walls of our heart because we think of it, all of us kids think about it all the time, that there are no coincidences when you're talking about God. And I, one of my passionate verses is Psalm 139, verse 16. And I believe in it so wholly, one, because it's the word, but so fully because this is what he's done in my life. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So one of the greatest mistakes that I made that I love to share out of experience with other women is that I was disappointed because I didn't get to be a teacher because I thought that when God asked me to do that, that was forever. And realizing that he gave me the gift and he chooses what I'm going to teach and to whom I'm going to teach to. And so that whole hands open 
flexibility because every moment was laid out before a single day had passed and I was formed for his glory, for his purpose, and not for a purpose that I have and a passion that I have latched onto. And then I, like a child, I don't want him to take it away from me. Instead, having open hands, knowing everything is available to him, and he has the freedom to redirect us as he chooses to do. I have to stop and pause on that scripture for a bit. It's Can you repeat the psalm again? 139.16. So I will tell you, I have heard that exact verse probably 10 times in the past 10 days. It is prevalent. You've given me something to pause on. When that happens, that is the voice of God mm -hmm. saying, you know, here's, here's my direction. And I believe, I firmly believe that it's really, I don't know, it's in surrender. I really believe it is in surrender of being able to exhale that he does know, he did know I was created for, we are human and we are our greatest roadblock or deterrent or detour sign. Mm -hmm. And it's not by coincidence or happenstance that sometimes if we're going down a different direction than we're supposed to, it's work and it is hard. Mm -hmm. I call it swimming upstream. I once, you know, I, I read something and um, I actually experienced it. I was in Cancun and I got pulled out way into the water and it was after one of the big hurricanes. And when you went in and out of the, in and out of the ocean, you had to know exactly where you were going in and out because there was huge limestone rocks torn up on the beach. And if you got tossed in a bad area, you would get hurt. So I went out and I saw myself being pulled away from my safe opening. So I started swimming back to the safe opening. Well, we both know what happened. I'm swimming against a very strong current. I was exhausted. I would have just calmed down, let the water catch me and I could swim in with the current when I got to a safe place. So I have to remind myself when I'm exhausted, when I am stressed, when I'm feeling, honestly, I think the word just might be unsettled. Mm -hmm. The first place I go is to my readings, mm -hmm. the Bible, my devotionals, and I write. Because if I'm unsettled, then I'm probably not going in the direction I am supposed to be. And it's in that pause. And I think you talked about it earlier, your journaling. I made it a goal during my um, new year, new you fitness challenge uh, with the group that I work out with. She gave us some goals that were not physical, you know, come up with what your goal is. And mine was to write every day. And unlike you, I know I will speak. It is a passion. I, I was born a speaker to the point that, you know, when you look back in my report cards, I was corrected for speaking. It's all about my mouth, but pausing and writing the thoughts that come out. That's to me, that's the compass. That's the GPS of the message that's to be shared. Yeah. Yeah. That's not my message. It's his message. Yeah. But that pause is a big deal. And in our society, it's hard to pause. Yeah. You know? There's, there's great, there's, there's great things to be said as well about when you feel a shift coming, when you feel unsettled, when you feel like there may be more or you long for more, that God never really, like he's always building on something. So to go back and see the marker moments 
that you had throughout your life and to take the time in a prayerful time of punctuated pause to consider and allow the spirit to speak to you. And in this whole journey, a scripture that came back to me that was long forgotten that it had been used in this way was Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. I had that on my graduation cake for high school. And I have no idea why I chose that verse at all, but I could remember the cake on the card table in front of the living room window in that afternoon when I was having a punctuated pause to go to walk through those marker moments like surely Lord you were leading me and preparing me for this. I just didn't know it because hindsight's 2020 and he brought that verse back to my memory. And I remember Karen sitting there and hearing the gentle whisper that said, so will you still go? And it was such a marker moment for me then when I was 18 and again when I was in my late 40s and realizing, what are you asking me to do? Yes, you made me the teacher. You get to choose the classroom and it may change yet again. Who knows? But I'm doing what he's asked me to do. And I have to remember that often, Karen. I have to go back to remember where, where Deeper Still originated from and each marker moment along the way with when the resources even started coming. Because like I said earlier, that wasn't part of the deal, Lord. Did you not get the memo? And it was just such a hard thing that, again, he reminded me, I have to remind myself that the world will say be published, the world will say market it, the world will say get it out there so everybody knows, but you know there's a place in the New Testament where the disciples sought after Jesus, found him in solitude, and said, Jesus, you need to come out to where the crowds are if you want to have followers, and I was like, that's so social media right now, and Jesus's response was just telling to them, I'm not here to gain followers because of that, and so I have to remind myself continually what it is that God has asked me to steward and make sure that the decisions in the direction that I'm headed are lined up with that. Then it can only be done if you have punctuated pauses in your mission and in your, in your movement forward to make sure that you're still following and not drifting off as the world, as social media, as publicists, as marketing, as they would all tell you it should be and make sure that you're swimming, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you where you're supposed to go. So before we wrap up, because I want to give us a few minutes at the end, because I want to talk about upcoming events and deeper still and how people can get involved. <clears throat> but I have one other question. And that is when the world comes knocking with all of those things you just shared, some of them are requirement of spreading the mission of the ministry. What's your guidepost? Like what's your barometer, your whatever, the, the center that helps you determine, hmm, no, that, that is not where we're supposed to go. Or yes, this is a place we need to be. It's a very practical question, but I'm curious how you navigate the tactical next to the spiritual. A large percentage more so than anything else is spending time just sitting with him. Not, not studying to prepare a message, but just to be close to him so that when he speaks, I know. 
The other is the power of the Holy Spirit, never underestimating how he will choose to reveal whether I should or should not. And the third is my husband. And when I bring something to him at that point, he will, the Holy Spirit will have prepared him to say that you don't need to do that, Lisa. Or yes, I can see how you should. Let's talk about a plan and let's talk about the percentage that it would require out of your time to keep up with something like that. So those are the three, those are the three big factors, being in the word, listening to the Holy Spirit, and then sitting with my husband. Wow. Pamela Cohn shared her book with us last month, Destiny Chasers, and she talks about destiny partners. Mm. The people close to us, the people in our presence, in our path that help to guide us along the way. And God bless you with many, starting with Dixie to get you going. Gosh, graced you with Dennis just everyone along the way. We talked about some of the folks to facilitate the different pieces. Lisa, we just figured this out at the very beginning. We could talk for days. I'm going to invite you back. I would love to come back and maybe we can take a topic and dig deeper into it because I think there's so much for our listeners to glean from, from Deeper Still Ministries. Before we wrap up today, tell us a little bit about maybe some activities that are coming up or if folks want to get involved and really explore their spirituality, their faith, and go deeper still, how might they do that? Well, quite honestly, the most exciting thing that we have coming is our five-year celebration with Encounter 2023. We have a new location, and we have room for 70 women this year as opposed to 45, so we're very excited about that. Registration opens on March 10th, and all details are going to be found on the website, deeperstillministries.com. Um, the resource page has phenomenal resources, and just understanding the Bible studies are meant and written with the vision and the purpose that God gave me, that it would be a workbook that went along with the textbook. The textbook being his word, and the workbook being a a litany of different styles of questions, because I'm a teacher, that are going to engage you with the text and allow you to see how the Holy Spirit most definitely will fulfill his role in teaching you what God wants you to know through his word. Um, right now we're in the, we just hit the middle point of our online Bible study that I teach. I teach one in the winter and I teach one in the summer. So um, you can get on the mailing list for Deeper Still Ministries on the website that then you will get regular emails coming to you just every other month. I, we just don't need a bunch more things in our inbox, but it will always have the next upcoming things that you can register through Deeper Still for. Well, that is fantastic. And for all of our listeners, it is deeperstillministries.com. I will also put that in the show description. So you have a place to click easily to explore Lisa's passion, Deeper Still Ministries, and maybe sign up for Encounter 2023. I also saw the retreat coming up. Um, there's another one in April. There is, but it's closed to the public. And a lot, this is, I know that's okay. They're totally full. So you could try and register and you wouldn't even get through. What they have chosen is this church in Piqua, the Valley, their leadership team came to encounter last year in October, and they were so moved with their experience with God that they wanted to provide that to their women. And so that is something that Deeper Still Ministries does is that we have a proposal and an outline where you can, they have 79 women coming to this event in April. They picked one of the encounter topics 
and it's going to be um, defining moments. And we're going to look at Esther's story that weekend. And so they, they've taken all the resources of encounter through Deeper Still Ministries and together we're partnering and they're providing that experience, that encounter for their women from church. Wow. So, so, so many good things. I just love flooding the world around us with opportunities for anyone to be able to yes. grow deeper still yes. in their relationship with, with God. And I am, I, I'm so grateful that we've had the opportunity to have this conversation and to be continued, my friend. Yes, please. So, all right, folks, we are so grateful. We are hopeful that you found some wisdom, strength, and hope in this time that Lisa and I have spent chatting. And please join us again next time to see how God led them to it, delivered them through it, and prepared them for it. And for now, may grace be yours. Thank you for listening to It's Her Story. I'm your host, Karen Colonna, bringing the heart, the soul, and the brilliance of women to the forefront through their unique stories. If you have a story that you'd like to share, if you'd like to learn more, visit us online at womeninchristianleadership.com. Subscribe so that you don't miss our brilliant lineup of guests. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of It's Her Story, brought to you by Women in Christian Leadership, a Jeannie Porter production.